0: G'day everyone, welcome to For the Love of Brick, a fortnightly podcast where I talk to people from all over the world about their love of Lego. Now if this is your first episode, welcome! If it's not, welcome back! This week we dive into the wonderful world of Great Ball Contraptions, GBCs as they're known, with fellow Melbournean and GBC extraordinaire, Rowan Beckett. Rowan has a wealth of knowledge especially when it comes to GBCs. In today's podcast, we're going to cover everything from the few but very important rules of great ball contraptions to what it's like displaying at events and everything in between. This niche side of Lego is not for the short-tempered, but if you can learn to be patient and calm, this is a really rewarding and fun building experience. Now, I'm not going to give any more spoilers away, so sit back and enjoy today's episode of For the Love of Brick. Welcome to the podcast, Rowan. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. That's good. Nice. Nice. Rainy day, we've got going. Good day for Lego building. Yeah,
1: it's um, I'm I'm out in my shed at the moment, and um, although I didn't do anything out here today apart from a bit of a clean up, it I really enjoy that. This is um, I enjoy the Melbourne cool weather sometimes, and I enjoy the um, the rain and just coming out to my workshop, which is sort of one end of a shed. Yeah, um, I um, lined and insulated, so it's cozy and warm in winter and not too bad in summer, but. At the end of the shed, it's the big old 70s, 80s shed where the big uh, door opens up, and I actually like having the view out. Um, I'm sort of cosy at one end of the shed, but I've got nice fresh air coming in here, and it's a really nice place to to build.
0: So whereabouts are you located?
1: I'm in a little town called Hastings, which is about an hour's drive south of Melbourne on the Mornington Peninsula. Um, Lived here all my life. I have moved away, but I ended up coming back to my hometown and settling here uh, about 13 years ago, I suppose now, and oh, nice. uh, yeah, it's nice that my, I work in the area. I work in IT in school. so yep. my work sometimes involves a little bit of Lego, um, not a lot, <laughs> but you know we've got we've got the We Do kits and the Mindstorms and things like that. So um, yep. uh, I occasionally help out that with that, but you know I mostly just do IT support and computers and iPads and everything in between.
0: So Rowan, what is GBC?
1: So It's an. I like to say it's a niche within a niche. We've got Lego, (laughs) which is a a bit of a a fun little hobby, which is nicely getting popular lately. You've got the Technic, which is your gears and motors and things like that. And then within that, um, there's a few other niches within Technic. One of them is things like time trials where people try to build these really rugged four-wheel drive trucks and take them outdoors and drive them up and down hills over obstacles. That's, That's a niche, which is very popular. You know, again, using only Lego parts, and a lot of uh, Lego uh, fans across all the the hobby generally pride themselves in using pure Lego parts. That's the fun. That's part of the challenge. That most yep. people, not all, some people do paint their Lego uh, or cut it,
0: <laughs> glue it,
1: but uh, a lot of lot of people will uh, like sticking within the the rule book of Lego and at least try to use genuine parts. Yep. So, great ball contraption, GBC, started about 2005, um, a couple of years after the very first Lego sports kits, and that gave us the Lego soccer ball or basketball. Yep. Um, And back then, a couple of guys decided, hey, wouldn't it be good to make a Rube Goldberg sort of crazy mechanical contraption that passes balls between each other? And, and for their thinking was that it would give people this mechanical open-ended challenge, uh, a bit of fun. You know, there's no... They, they developed a few rules, um, I'll go over a bit later, that um, sort of keeps everything compatible and keeps everyone building on the same page. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it was fairly open-ended. You could build what you want. And by not having too many rules, uh, the, the whole GBC has really blossomed over the years and there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people building it around the world. There's a definitely a good few hundred core people who really come up with the really cool ideas and then go so far to make instructions, but that helps yep. out a lot of other people. Um, so in great ball contraption, you build a module, which is a, a standalone um, contraption, and it needs to take balls in on one side do something with them, interesting, <laughs> visually appealing, and then yep. spit the balls out on the on the right hand side. The main rules that we live with is the input bin has to be ten bricks high. yep, the output bin and and eight by eight square, ten by ten square roughly, and then the output is a little bit over ten bricks high. Um, you have to go at roughly one ball per second. Or be able to handle a batch of 30 balls at once, like a dump truck style mechanisms where you hold on, you wait for 30 balls to accumulate and then you dump them onto the next module. So apart from the height and the size of the input and output hoppers, um, the, the balls per second, we try to do one ball per second. But in reality, that's a bit hard when you get failures and you get slow modules. But if everyone tries to build to that, at least we can slow it down. And usually about half a ball to one ball a second is in reality of what you get. Yep. Then everyone comes together and connects them up. There is no, apart from providing common power to each one, they simply park the modules next to each other. One input lines up with the output of the next one. Then you flip the big red switch. <laughs> you load it up with a few hundred balls. And then hopefully if all's working well, you will see all these little balls make plink, plink, plink sounds as they go from one module to the other, and everyone just sits there with their jaw on their floor as these balls pass things around. Um, And it really is fun building these and the challenge of keeping it working throughout an exhibit, uh, an event, and then watching people's faces as they say, I can't believe Lego can do that. Yeah, Um, And that's the cool thing about it, you know, the contraptions vary in all sorts of things. There's there's a few themes of, of contraptions. Some of them form little steps that go up and down and yep. a little ball jump from one step to the other. Um, you've got other dumping arms that will just like a big, you can use any Lego part you want, so a Lego bucket scoop. Yep. Um, yep. You've got these rotating wheels that pick up the balls and their spokes. Um, let's see some other ones we have got around here um uh one that's been popular developed by a guy called Laurie in western australia and he came up with a really robust golf putter so like a mini golf yeah so the balls load into a a module they get poked up through the ground and right at that time a mini golf um swing (laughs) putter hits it and then you design your mini golf courses however you like and you you have balls rolling along the greens avoiding obstacles falling down a hole at the end and then going on to the next module yep um so he's come up with a really cool design and he put a bit of effort into it so he developed he's actually developed a couple of versions of it some people uh, really get into it and and will improve upon their their modules and, and come up with version twos of them which either for us often they use less parts he figures out ways to build these things more efficiently and puts PDF instructions up and everyone sits and builds them all. And that's, that's the fun. And there's a lot of sharing that goes on. And um, one kind of nice thing, because they're not beautiful, <laughs> is that I know a lot of mock builders will put their lovely creations up and then someone steals them, with the uh, instructions and sells it for a profit. Uh, that doesn't tend to happen with GBC. Um, it's a, it is a very niche thing. So um, there's a lot of instructions out there. that that the beginner can start with. Um, There's a few really, really easy ones that don't need a lot of crazy parts, and anyone with a half-decent Lego collection should be able to just start building. Go nuts.
0: With Mindstorms, because we'll get into this a bit later with GBC, um, is it easy to wrap your head around Mindstorms, or is it sort of a...
1: It is, yeah, you've got the different, Lego do a, a couple of different levels of programming now. So you've got the really basic stuff called WeDo, um, mm-hmm. which is the, the very first time that we saw the new, what we call now the powered-up plugs appear. So they did that a good almost five years before we saw it in retail. Um, Lego came out with a system called WeDo 2. Uh, the first one was tethered to a computer, WeDo 1, so you had to have it in a USB port. Um, but you could still do very basic things. But running off USB, it means everything only ran at five volts and the motors ran slower, but that was fine for educational for kids. Um, Kids could build things. It even had a nice little tilt sensor. We do two came out, and it's now works better like most Lego things with a tablet and your Bluetooth connection and things like that. Um, And apart from the uh, more advanced ones, in the lower end, Lego are almost – Um, trying to not use computers anymore because uh, boosts and things like that now only work on tablets um, and the same with the other ones but it's kind of a bit of you don't do as much lego building with these things You, you you the builds are very quick and easy anyone could build um, the we do or the mindstorms things are not particularly hard. Yep. Uh, where the magic comes out is where you program them, and that's where you've got to wrap your head around coding yep. as you know, or programming as it, it, it's all called. And that's more your maths and your logic. Um, you know, if this happens, if a sensor detects something, then do something else. But then yep. do it for three seconds until something else happens, and that's the whole thing that. Um, where the Mindstorms, Spike Prime and WeDo are all uh, in that. And I get a lot of people say, oh, my kid's into technical things. Should I get them a Mindstorms? And not always because Mindstorms often don't have a lot of gears and things like that. They are often just the, the motor driving an action. Uh, so you can have a robot or a, a you know a, a drivable little buggy and it's really only got your two or three motors you know two for steering and maybe one for op- operating a claw or something like that there's not a lot of mechanics involved in it yeah um, and it's just you know some kids like that and some people like that but other people prefer the um, the more complicated technic things where levers and gears and linkages and a whole lot of mechanical things and they, they, they are honestly two different worlds
0: okay see yeah I- I sort of not knew that, but I sort of thought that, that it was yeah. very much Mindstorms were very specific for what it was. It was like, you know, that, yeah, as you said, that arm motor. You can
1: you can might. do a lot of things with it, but you, you it's funny coming from the GBC world, we pride ourselves on doing mechanical things, marvellous things that often work with just one motor and you have an amazing contraption that will pick up a ball and move it somewhere else and drop it and a whole bunch of things happen one motor you turn the power on and it all magically works by itself yeah where mindstorms you're kind of cheating you don't have to have you don't have to have the mechanical whiz bang you basically say when a ball arrives at this lift it up and move it over there and then return the arm back to the starting position and it's all done with timing so you might say run this motor for five seconds and then pause for a second and then run it in reverse yeah, you know, and as you're developing that and coding that you will tweak it and you'll say oh maybe I need 5.2 seconds or maybe I need something else and then once you've done it that's it your machine repeats forever yeah and, and you've done it which is cool and that's fun again in the GBC world we don't stop people using from that but it is just a different way of thinking and a way of building you you you, you the programming side of things takes over
0: yeah so you won't see mindstorms and so forth in like a GBC.
1: You do, but the, the thing is, a Mindstorms kit is $400 minimum.
0: <laughs> um, now,
1: when some of us have up to 40 GBC modules, we're not about to go and do that many. I, I had at one point, I had 40 of them built here. And at one of the brickventions, I think it was 2019 or 18, I definitely brought nearly all of them along. And you just you can't afford that. So yeah. um, you, a lot of people bring the the Mindstorms one along for a really special one. I mean, having a, a cool arm that picks up and moves is very impressive, but you don't even do that on one of them. Yeah. Um, some yeah. people have automated train systems that run through that um, are controlled with Mindstorms mm-hmm. and things like that. So you will see some in there, but it won't be a lot um, unless someone's got a big disposable income. The rest of us just have a single power-up power functions, motor, and then we build our contraption Better with that.
0: that. So when you um, say, um, uh, you said like the powered train and so forth, because I have seen uh-huh. a few where it is a carriage and it'll come, yeah. pick up the balls and then it usually drives them away. That's usually...
1: Yeah, oh, it can be both. There's, there's um, uh, one of the big um, popular GBC uh, builders and designers is a Japanese guy called Akiyuki, yeah. and he has mostly done um, the mechanical ones, although he does do, he has done a few um, um, uh, Mindstorms-related ones. So he, he dabbles in everything. And I think he, he really does his own thing, and there's a lot of people who... You know, love following amazing things, but then he'll he'll do other designs and inventions which are not GBC related, but they do show amazing uh, mechanical aptitude. Things can work really smoothly. So, yeah, there are, is a, a purely mechanical one, and there's a, a little group of people around the world who who love uh, developing these further and further. And then you do have the Mindstorms one, and that's been done for many years as well. Yeah. Um, even with the very first Mindstorms that came out in 1998. Because that ran on the 9-volt system, you could actually interface that with the old 9-volt trains. They just connected. Ah. So technically, your little Mindstorms um, thing, and once you've got the power, AC power feeding it so you don't have to worry about batteries, your Mindstorms controls the train track.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. That's where the magic happens on some of the
1: older ones. And these people did these 10, 15 years ago. And you have your little mind storms and it sends power to the track and it runs your train around in a loop. And then you can have it, say, you run another wire to a little sensor that says when you reach here, stop and unload the train and then zoop the train back on again. So people have been doing that for a long while. And it's really quite impressive, but it's using the older style of technology yeah, and I think people are dabbling with it now with the um, the modern trains with infrared and powered up, and you can definitely do a lot of stuff like that. Yep. Um, I think with, with a lot of things with Lego, they'll they seem to change things every so often. It tends to upset people. Yeah, they have been known for changing the colour of grey, the old light blue grey, the old light grey that upset a lot of people. And then they've you know, they changed the power plugs over the years. Yeah, they've changed train tracks and things. And you get every generation, you get a, pe- a group of people who are upset and up in arms. And you know, right now, they've just changed from power functions to powered up um, the new plugs. And at the moment, there is no Lego official way of running powered up effectively with an ac adapter yeah you have to run on batteries you and you also officially have to run it with a tablet or a a device yeah that's true yeah and there is no other way of running that where with the older stuff with converter cables and things that they made over the years you for us with gbc who are doing displays we don't run on battery we have mains power running yep. our stuff all day long. And at the moment, Lego have gone away from that purely from the child-safe point of view. And I understand you don't want to be shipping power adapters in boxes and getting people to plug things in. Yep. Um, so everything's been going battery. And for kids, that's perfectly fine, of course, but we're not kids. And this is the um, um, the difference between you know, the AFOLs doing things. And, and Lego are actually aware of things They're aware of um, what we do. I was lucky to participate in a powered-up developer group with LEGO last year, just on the year before, I guess now. And um, they got about 10, 15 of us LEGO fans who do technical things from around the world. They shipped us a whole bunch of brand-new powered-up parts and said, go off and play with them. And they wanted us to come up with a way of future-proofing powered up because at the moment you've got your little hub and you need a tablet to control it yeah they were thinking 20 years in the future when the apps are no longer around what do you want this hub to be able to do by itself and they and we all discussed and came up with ideas of okay how about and these could be any hypothetical how about if you tap the button a couple of times, it just kickstarts the first motor or the second motor and things yep. like that. And we came up with a whole bunch of ideas, and hopefully that will soon lead into new development of the hub and and let it operate completely independent so you yeah. don't need a tablet to, to use it. Um, and again, they, they were well aware that, yes, although this is newfangled, and, yes, they may be good, and, you know, 20 years down the track, we've got the newest powered up z or something like that which can talk back to all these old things you never know it really is and that um it's always the thing you know you try to run your old mindstorm stuff from 1998 which was how old is that now 22 years ago and oh, it's yeah. near impossible to run it on modern computers ah, um ah, yep okay it really is and even um the mindstorms nxt they never updated that past 32-bit, so modern Apple Macs can't run it. So if you've got a brand-new Apple Mac and you yep. want to run your Mindstorms from 2006, you can't run it.
0: Ah, oh, okay. Mental note. So there's a few little things like that. So um, so keep your old 386 computer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, that, that is the thing. I mean,
1: Mindstorms, you can run it with emulation and things like that, virtual machines, but that's not something that the average person can do. So, yeah. if someone picks up at a garage sale an old Mindstorms kit, it's absolutely useless to them with any modern computer unless they've got a computer from 1998 to go along with it, still running Windows 98 or XP at the very newest. Yeah, you can't, yep. it's really hard. I, I spent, I, I picked up a few uh, of these older parts a while ago. And it was only about six months ago but right i'm going to sit down and see how hard it is to get it going on modern systems and even me professionally in it it took a bit of tweaking it took me two serial cables off ebay before i finally got one that worked properly and a whole bunch of other things so it was yeah, it's not plug and play anymore, and and it yeah. was it's really it was really nice to be part of that group that um, Lego acknowledged that they want to do things to make it future proof. A lot of I think people do bag them out saying, oh, you know, they're not they're changing parts and, and and all sorts of things, and they're not thinking about the future. But they are. It's just there are a lot of technical things they have to be careful with, and kids yeah. are their primary
0: um, well, issue with this. Well, as well, like especially with the Mindstorm stuff, like it is computer-based and how far have computers yeah. come in that time
1: they have the funny thing is the um the kit that just came out you know, a couple of years ago lego boost yeah. and, and the new star wars one the funny thing is they did an almost exactly the same thing back in 1999 called Cybermaster. yeah it was a i don't have one but it was a big unit with two motors built in radio antennas had to work tethered to your computer. It's obviously back before tablet, but that's exactly what boost is. Boost is the big brick with two motors built in tilt sensor, um, you know, radio, Bluetooth control, but they did the same thing. And it was all these, um, interactive activities you'd play on your computer, which would then link to the unit as it ran around the floor uh, doing things. Yeah. And it's like, Everything old is new again, and they're bringing back these things. Um, I, one thing, I never, I've never owned one, but I always love pointing it out when people say, oh, you know, Lego was always basic bricks. 1960s, I'm not sure what year. I think it was the late 60s, Lego had an electronic whistle-controlled train. You oh, could blow really? a whistle, and it would do a particular uh, high pitch whistle, and the train would stop or start or go in reverse. Oh, look spring. it up on Bricklink. The part you go toot, train would stop. Toot toot, train would start. 1968 or something like this, they came out with this thing. They were well ahead of a curve, integrating oh. technology. And you look that up, and you think, "Damn, that was cool. Why don't they have that on trains these days?" I know we got our cool apps and things, but do you reckon kids would love just blowing oh, a whistle yeah. and the train would stop and start? I'd probably love drive that. mum and <laughs> dad crazy, but. <laughs>
0: uh, no, so yeah, there's
1: always been a lot of technology, and you know, I and I got hooked into this at an early age, well, not early-ish, but um, um, I was at high school and we had the Apple IIe computers and we had the very early Dacta Lego stuff. So it was a, um, a control board that you would plug into uh, your computer. Yep. You'd plug a whole bunch of motors with wires into this control board and then on your computer you would program what you wanted to do. And that would have been 1989, 1990, and this thing had rotational sensors as well. So you could sit there and a little disc would go past a sensor, black and white, like spokes on a bike. Yeah. And it would it would activate it so you could count how many revolutions this thing did. So we built conveyor belts and all sorts of cool things, all running off the Apple IIE. And
0: I think I remember seeing that. Well, um so what got you into okay, so what what came first in your Lego journey? Was it <laughs> was it Lego?
1: It was always lego first i mean i was a child of lego growing up and um you know always like saying i got a lego set from about age two every year of my life until now um
0: half your luck
1: (laughs) lego was always a big part of my life it was always i was always playing with it it was my number one toy throughout my childhood um I always you know wanted the biggest and greatest sets but you know my parents um, were selective in what I got and um, you know I never got the big monorail I never got the trains my dad was into model trains yeah uh, he was always a bit of a tinkerer as well building real steam engines and things like that as well as uh, a, a normal uh, train layout. so uh, he always said I'm not buying new Lego trains they're not real trains. <laughs> meanwhile he had his whole <laughs> shed full of these scale model British, locos and things which i always uh, you know love playing with and i was always allowed to play with yeah um but i never got lego trades, and admittedly they were always a bit expensive um you yeah. know into the usual city um space castle pirates all that stuff growing up in the 80s and, and, and early 90s and um you know massing a large amount of it that we'd always have in our playroom in our house and friends would come over and we'd build big cities and yeah have our infrastructure and even we even had money going in the game so you know we'd wheel and deal like someone would have a car repair shop other one would have a hamburger joint and we use some of the little transparent <laughs> pieces as money and we trade amongst ourselves <laughs> so that was always fun so doing that and then through um you know through high school getting involved in computers basically and then um um uh, eventually getting computers in, in our household, not until I was in year nine. So I'd so say that everything that I've learned and being almost 20 years in IT industry yeah. now, over 20, 25 years, is that I learned everything from year nine upwards with yeah. computers. So although I got a little token set of Lego, I'd like to say nearly every year since then, and I still play with a little bit, there was that whole swathe of probably 15 years or so, where I didn't really touch it much and missed out on a lot of really cool sets that came out in the 90s and early 2000s. And um, uh, about age 29, 30, my parents gave me a, one of the big Technic sets again, and that sparked it all off again. So <laughs> pretty much everything behind me here is all from that thing. I, my childhood Lego is kept separate because I I, we, I played with it to death. Um it really just was beat up. We, we we smashed things up. We, you know, played with them in, in swimming pools and left them outside. Yep. Every, we were not looked after. We didn't have brick separators, so you use your teeth on everything to pull <laughs> yes. it apart. And I look with shame at my childhood Lego I've got it in a box just up on the shelf behind me, but it's it's so faded, scratched, dinted, all these, you know, famous classic 80s sets, and yep. you couldn't put them on display or anything. <laughs> they are just so beat up. Part, parts we'd break, the parts my dad would get out the Loctite glue and glue them back together again because it was that one special part that you couldn't do without You couldn't. There's no brick link. Um, and, and I used to pour over the, um, if you remember, the old catalogs would have the spare parts listings at the back of the catalog so every every yearly catalog you get you'd flip to the back pages and you'd have all these little spare parts packed that were two or three dollars each or a lot more and you could write off and send off to sydney and then they would post you know a few weeks later you'd get your parts back and i did that a couple of times it was i was more interested in going for the spare parts because you'd often see unique things in there that you wouldn't get in a the normal twenty dollar set um so, yeah, that, that, that went through over and over and again. Picked it up then and, um, and then uh, I suppose it was only not much more than five years ago that I started going to, maybe six, seven years ago, started going to Brickvention as a exhibitor, yep. uh, as a, um, uh, just a, a, a fan. And then um, I think 2015 was my first one where I decided that's it, I can go as an exhibitor here now and joined in with the Great Ball Contraption team. There was really only three, maybe four other people involved. Um, shout out to Owen from Canberra, who used to come down from Melbourne every year, and Rasika, and I think it was someone else. Um, but um, that was it. It was, it was probably three tables at the yep. time. Very, <laughs> very small display. We are all crowded around. And, yeah, had a lot of fun, and it just has sort of gone from there.
0: With GBC, because you like I've had a crack at it, but not so much yep. G B C related. Like I've made a um you know the penguin race where you see the penguin go up the oh, stairs yeah, and that be slide a good down one to the tried. slide. So I've done that, but with little You got it working? Mostly. <laughs> 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 oh, just with balls or actual little pe- Lego Lego? With penguins? little Lego penguins that I've made Whoa, Lego that penguins. That would be interesting to see. So it it works. And they all go up straight. Um the amount of swearing
1: i can probably think of in my mind i'm I'm already thinking now how that would work without even seeing your design this is what i often do is you do come up with an idea and you think okay how can we translate that real life thing to lego knowing all all my experience and all the limitations that lego has i know straight away with those penguin ones they actually have quite heavy steel wheels on them, and I know that that's key to the thing working. Yes. you don't get that in Lego. We don't have steel no. wheels, so you have to heavy. improvise and do something else. And then you probably have to make it longer or wider, but then it doesn't mm-hmm. look like a penguin anymore. And you probably run into all these design issues. And and I get a lot of people who do call out for help. Yeah, how do I solve this problem? I want to do this with Lego, but I'm not good with technical stuff, and I have done dozens and dozens of little help things for people and I'll build, I'll, <laughs> sometimes I'll be in the house, I'll, hang on a minute, I'll rush out to the shed, even in the middle of winter, <laughs> crank the heater on for a little bit or just sit here and build something for 10 minutes and then I'll rush back in here, take a photo of it here, try building this. Yeah. And they go, oh, that, that works well or this doesn't and and it's fun to do. It's, it's all these extra challenges that well, that's are sort it. of open-ended.
0: Like I've, I've loved building it um, and as I said, I got it working and I was... Just videoing it, and then something inside it broke. Yeah, which then, because I'd not built it to hold it down and hold it steady, but then you have to break something off, and then in breaking something off, something else breaks, and then that that is the
1: hardest thing and uh, of building something strong and reliable. And uh, I'm actually have started. I haven't quite done much with it yet. Is coming up with a few video tutorials for people of. I want to show people how you can build with technique and integrate it well with what you're building. not necessarily building GBCs or cars or anything like that, but there's there's a few key points with building Lego and how to build strong. And it's not that hard once you learn some of these lessons, then you're able to put together mechanisms, that are easy to get to and work with and repair and adjust and things like that. And that's a really hard skill to learn. And ultimately it does take experience. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a mechanical technical side niche of the hobby of, of Lego building. Any, you know, I can say anyone can build amazing houses and, 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 landscapes and things like that, but making something come alive with motors and motion is that little extra level. It's a bit of icing on the cake. And, yeah. um, <laughs> ironically, I've helped someone, Um, who did uh, build a lego wedding cake for a friend and there was a couple of spinning dancers at the top the the bride and the groom and the mechanism in there is pretty much what i helped him with so he gave me the constraints of here's the size i've got to fit it into this box i need them to go at this speed what can we do and sat around and we worked out with a whole bunch of things and eventually it was nice seeing those little things come to life and and be incorporated in an amazing creation i've seen quite a lot of ones at brickvention which are really impressive with what they've done with the display but the motor always seems like a last minute thought it's like they've left it and two days before oh oh maybe i should put a motor in here to make something spin and they kind of stick a motor in the side <laughs> And there's no gearing or anything, so the little thing of whatever they're doing is spinning at 100 miles an hour and you know it's not going to last for two days of prevention. <laughs> you get man, if I just helped you put a gear or two in there, this thing could run all day on a set of batteries. And
0: <laughs> how, Anyway. How long did it take you to work out, like, the um, gearing down and, and all that sort That's
1: of... Something like that I've played with all my life because I grew up with Lego Technic, uh, yeah. um, at least at age... Eight or nine, I started asking, getting my first few Technic sets, and it is something I wish that Lego would do now. I learned a lot of my skills with what they called the universal sets. They were, yep. they came yeah. the primary ones. They came in a red one, a blue one, and a yellow one. Three different sizes: small, medium, large. The medium blue one actually had a motor in it. Had the old four point five volt motor. And with all of those things, each set had about five models you could build out of. There was no primary major model. They were all different things, and you got a whole bunch of gears and and, and everything. And I tinkered and played with those so many times. I built everything out of the instructions several times over, and once I had all three of them, they all got combined together. And that pretty much... These universal sets were really key, and I really wish Lego would do that. You know, there was questions coming up on a Facebook group just the other day, two, three days ago, one saying, my daughter's interested in Technic. Is there any basic sets we could use to combine with our normal Lego? Well, no, there's not. There's cars and excavators, and that's about it. In the Technic line at the moment, there was nothing really interesting. The other one is, you know, is there universal sets that we could build a whole bunch of things And it was really a bit sad to say that, no, there isn't any of that at the moment. And and I think that is one area that Lego is lacking. You know, your Mindstorm sets have these mishmash of parts, boosts and things like that, but they're a whole different level. You know, they need to have something, a lot of us fans have been saying this for years, which is just bring out a basic um, Technic set that is not just studless stuff, because that is actually tricky to build with if you're a complete beginner. The old the old Technic parts and gears, you can incorporate right. that. You can have normal parts in there. You can build a little, a windmill with blades on it and things like that. You could build, a, I don't know, a, a few other different things as well. And I think kids would still be interested in it um, because I think you could learn a lot of things with it.
0: Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, there you go, Lego. If you're listening to it, get on get that one. Now, so with the balls, is it like a standard size or how does it work? Like, you know, mm-hmm. what what balls do you use? And has anyone ever used the wrong ball?
1: Yeah, there's definitely a couple of sides. The two major ones are the Lego sports balls, which are often in the minifig sets. Yep. So they come and go over the years. They've, they've been, they came back in. I really reckon Lego were listening to us. Um, GBC is out in the world screaming, come on, give us the Lego balls back. We want to buy them in bulk. <laughs> um, and a few years ago, they came back into the scene in the City and the Friends sets. Um, so the, the Lego Sports, which started off the soccer and the basketball series, that was back in 2002, 2003-ish, lasted yep. a couple of years. And that's where a lot of people got their balls from. And at the time, there were a few BrickLink stores that had masses of them that obviously bought a lot of these sets or somehow bought them in bulk from Lego. And a friend of mine, uh, I must have, he said he bought about 300 of the soccer balls for something like five cents each because yep. they were stupidly cheap and no one wanted them. The soccer balls are probably worth 2 or $3 each now. That's um, almost a decent investment. He's never used them at a show, so I know they're in pristine condition. But, <laughs> <laughs> but they do come up on, on your lug box from time to time. Um and again, when they do appear in sets that year, hoping twenty twenty one has the balls back in again because they didn't appear last year in any Lego set. So they're the they're the uh, standard balls that we use, and they are just under two bricks wide, two studs wide, which works out really well because it means you can make a shoot or a, like an alleyway, a lane way, yep. uh, very easily at two two bricks two tiles wide or something like that, and your ball will fit down there without jamming. Um, the other ball that is uh, popular is the Bionicle Zamor Sphere, which is a slightly larger ball, um, very cheap to get hold of because beyond Bionicle, <laughs> no one buys it under <laughs> the park. Um, and they were used in the shooters, but they are bigger. And while they will work in a lot of modules, um, any, any, I'd say, brute force simplistic module like a lift arm, a steppers will often work just fine with the bigger balls. It's not a problem, but there are certain modules that are designed with maybe pincers that pick up a ball of a certain size and move them around, and that's where they all fail. Or some of them are very weight dependent. Yeah. Um, there was a recent competition on our uh, one of the GBC Discord servers mm-hmm. just a couple of months ago, and their challenge was make a module. The challenge was called the Baker's Dozen. You had to make a module that handled a batch of exactly 13 balls. No more, no less. So 13 (laughs) balls had to come in. Your module couldn't pass them on until it accumulated 13 balls, and then it could move them on. And then it could dump them and then collect another 13. But that was the challenge. There was about 20 people who entered that. And it was really amazing. Some of them who uh, worked on a weight-based system. So when like a, a tilt arm got exactly full of 13 balls, that was just enough to tip it over and that would empty the balls out. Yep. Others had counting mechanisms, but they were mostly to do with the diameter of the ball. When they had a row of exactly 13 balls, then the mechanism could tell there was 13 in there. So those style of modules wouldn't work at all with the bigger balls. They uh-huh. would... That will
0: yeah, well, they, yeah because yeah. the
1: balls are bigger right they the wouldn't way, fit yeah. in or the weight yeah. weight would be different so yeah I mean, in some cases you can get away with different balls um, there are a few other non Lego balls that do get used um, croissetti and a few Chinese beads off Alibaba or eBay and things like that can do the job they they're close enough yeah uh, so when you're practicing and building you can mostly use them. Uh, but again it all depends on the module if you stick with building simple wheels and steppers and buckets you won't have a
0: problem conveyor
1: belts things like that are all perfectly fine it really comes down to the complexity of the module so
0: okay sweet yeah because yeah i built my one on a size penguin and then i had to change the size of the penguin and i had to change everything else
1: yeah yeah, yeah. And again I, I will always say i you know this is a hobby that you try to get as many people involved as possible because it is fun it's a good challenge and you do say to people well you can start with these balls and it will work but you really need to start accumulating you know it's the one thing of, of gbc you know everything's mostly common lego parts but you're going to need some motors you're going to need um you know potentially extension cables for the for the things you're going to need a bunch of Technic parts and you're going to need the balls apart from that The sky's the limit. You can do whatever you want.
0: Um, Speaking of things you need, uh, (laughs) I see uh, when I go, when I've seen GBCs out in the wild, (laughs) Um, which hasn't been this year. Um, Not a lot, yeah. (laughs) You've got those control panels and they've usually got like a one or a two and it's like a round circle on The
1: switch. They're the train controllers that you'll be seeing. I mean, not that you'll see in the podcast here, but the 9-volt train controller came out in the early 90s, and it was probably the last thing that Lego produced which accepts an AC or DC plug-in from the wall. So this thing doesn't run on batteries. Yep. When Lego did their train sets in the 90s, um, you plugged them into the wall. It was like a wild, dangerous time. Who would let their kids do that these days? Um not lego certainly and it had a single nine volt one of the the brick style connectors which you would then connect and then it would have a couple of little pins at the other end that you would touch on either side of the electrical train track put your trains on with the metal wheels and just like a normal model train it would run around um yeah it was good Uh, train love uh, guys love them because if you've got a loop of track you can run a train all day long yeah you don't have to change the batteries you don't have to worry about remote controls you just turn the dial and off it goes one of the limitations is you can only run one train on one track at a time because all the trains would pick up on the power so there's no fancy digital controls that uh, modern uh, hobby trains have so you are limited to one loop of train one track i mean you put two trains on there but they're both going to be going at the same time where your modern plastic ones the benefit is of course you can have as many trains on the same track you just control them independently Uh, and especially with the modern power-up systems now you could have a tablet or a pc controlling multiple trains yeah there are third-party programs that people have come out now, which are really cool. On You can have a little laptop computer sitting there and you could control five, ten trains all at once, uh, all via Bluetooth, which is really cool. So, yeah, we use the old train controller simply because um, it lets us run multiple GBC modules off a single thing because with us, we're dealing with mechanical. You turn the thing on and it just goes. So yeah. with this thing here, I could plug three or four contraptions into it, um, turn the dial to one side and they'll all start at the same time and they'll all work and that's fine. Um, Of course, if you've got more than one of them, then you can tweak the speed of each one, and that's where it becomes really good for us on the big shows. So you can Um, tweak the
0: speed on it. okay? Well, that's
1: the thing. You get about nine levels, four, five, seven levels of speed control with this thing. So this thing, you turn it to the slowest notch and it'll just trickle in and crawl, but then you can crank it up. And and a lot of the time we'll run our modules about one notch down from the, the maximum. Yep. Uh, just to run things nicely, but that all depends on how you build your module and how you run. There is no um, speed that a module runs at, apart from what it spits the balls out. So your motor could be running just at a very low speed and still producing, you know, one ball per second. Yep. Or it could be running flat out and barely doing it. It depends on how you build the module.
0: Yeah. What your gearing is uh, like. Yep.
1: But with these th- these controllers, they haven't made them for probably 15 years uh, probably 20 years now so the supply of them like most rare lego parts is drying up and um, again on our gbc discord channel one of the guys has got a script that he runs once a week and it automatically goes out to bricklink and brings you back a list on screen of how many controllers are left in the wild for sale and what their average price is um (laughs) And the last time oh I, uh, about year eighteen months ago, I bought a whole bunch of them, twenty four of them from Germany, and I paid about nine dollars each. Um, I think the cheapest now is about thirty dollars.
0: Far out.
1: Um, I distributed them to friends around here. I yep. kept a few myself, but it's one of those things that, well, get them while you can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Just, what can you do? Yeah.
0: <laughs> do you have a favorite mechanism that you like to build with, or is um, or I don't know, like, whatever?
1: whatever. Well, I do whatever. I do like coming up with my own original ones. Um, There are a ton, but in this time now that GBC has been popular for at least, you know, getting really popular for about the last four to five years, there are a lot more uh, modules being made in the last few years. A lot more people are sitting down and making instructions. So it's a lot easier for people just to go to Planet GBC or one of the other major GBC sites, search for an interesting looking one, bring up the PDF and then sit and build it. Just because you've built it by the instructions, though, doesn't mean it's going to work. (laughs) This is the one thing that we have, unlike a normal Lego set, where generally if you follow the instructions, you get to the end of it and, hey, I've got a car or a spaceship and it looks pretty good. With GBC, there are a lot of things that can go wrong in the build, and even if you build it spot on, believe it or not, because we're a moving thing, um, it relies on how good... Friction is and when you've got a mechanism that slides up and down a Technic axle, if your axle is slightly bent, warped, or uh, is worn out, it's an old piece from your collection, it may not work. Yeah, and I've had modules that I've built that I have built using mostly my new parts, and you get a build and still doesn't work, it runs for about three or four seconds, then it seizes up, and you're thinking, What's going wrong? And, and that's some people find it frustrating and if you do you probably shouldn't be building gpc but for the engineer in, in most of us who love you know the problem solvers that's the fun some of the fun part is where you then sit down and you watch it like a hawk you turn it on slowly you yeah. see okay why is this mechanism jamming and you just watch it and watch it and then you figure out ah there's the bit it's seizing on okay what can i do can i bend it you know lego's plastic so sometimes you you didn't press the bricks down properly you flex it and you go oh that's running a bit nicer but you may find that after 20 minutes of running it warps itself because it's got pressures and things and motor is you know a ball sits in and jams the mechanism and you go oh well that's not going to work so you're going to have to find out ways of fixing it um again i've built a module before where i've built it perfectly and I had to go through five or six different axles on a mechanism that slid up and down the axle until I found one of my axles that to the naked eye looked exactly the same as the other four I used. But this fifth one was somehow smoother and the parts glided up and down and it worked beautifully. And that was me for half an hour figuring out the problem and solving and going, aha, I've, I've fixed it. <laughs> and then you pack it in a box and you take it to Vention and you hope it works. <laughs> And it doesn't.
0: <laughs> Let's say your section fails. Let's say brick function.
1: Um, yeah, it, it definitely has. They've all. Fa- everyone has had a failure. If you haven't had a failure, you haven't built enough modules, or you just <laughs> not. Your modules are too simple. But even the simple ones can fail. Um, what happens if it's just a single? If it's a single module, well, we we have a few tricks that we've learned over the years. One of them is before the show starts, we will always try to do a walk around the whole layout with everyone. In attendance, who's going to be there? Because we take turns looking after the layout. At a big show like Brickvention, you do want to walk away. And unlike a, a display like the lovely spaceships and Star Wars scenes that just sit there all day long doing nothing, we can't walk away from our display. We cannot turn it on and walk away and go have a coffee because that thing will break and tear itself apart. One of the modules will. So it's just the nature that the joke is it's like having. 100 toddlers and you've got to try to keep them all tamed at once yeah Uh, one of them's gonna uh, cause a problem sooner or later um so we do a walk around and everyone talks about their modules about how they work some of them are saying oh this is just a basic design you know it's it's super reliable other people say oh i built this one and it mostly works but every so often a ball will jam in this this little spot or the balls will spill or they'll bank up here and you just got to give it a bit of a poke you give the balls a poke and they'll continue moving on so everyone's aware of the the limitations of all our modules um and if people are open and honest and they say yeah well i've built this really good module it's a new one i've only been trying it out for a few hours Um, And that's nothing in the scheme of things. You know, you can leave a module that will run perfectly fine on your workbench at home, but when you get to the day and all the tables are wonky and your module is no longer 100% level anymore, that can make a big thing, uh, a big difference on how things work. Um, So, yeah, people will say that their module will break in a certain way or may fail, and as long as everyone's aware of that, then when they're off having their coffee or they're having their lovely walk around brickvention, the rest of us can take action so when their module breaks down or has a few minor issues we can we know where to poke it we know what to do to fix it or at worst case scenario if it does break down we have spare modules in place So we'll take yours out and we'll hopefully have another one that's roughly the same size that we can quickly uh put in we usually have all these little ball canisters just cups yeah uh, plastic containers so when you take a module out you're not turning the whole layout off <laughs> it's still running yeah so you've still got all these balls coming along and if you take a module out they're just going to spill out all over the table so you quickly put a cup in underneath everyone's aware that you're working on this module you either do quick repairs and if it's something and you don't have any spare modules or nothing that fits in that spot then someone will sit there and take the full load of cups and tip it in the next module (laughs) so you have a human (laughs) element of the module often it's the kids who are doing that (laughs) um they will often then, they're, they're pretty good. Most of the kids on our team, um, after a couple of years, have got really good at this. So they can go around and they know when certain modules are overflowing. Some modules run a bit slowly, so you'll see a big bank up, a big build-up of balls. And, and they'll know whether to take that, load up a, a, a bucket, and then take them somewhere else in the layout. Um, yeah. Usually over the course of a day or so, we work out where the modules are, are banking up and we either rearrange them or we change a few things or we alter the speed or uh, even how many balls you have on the layout. You can have too many balls and you've got some modules that just will bank up and um, overflow. And that's that's almost the worst thing you could have because you, the crowds are sitting there saying, where are all the balls? I'm sitting looking at these mechanisms work and nothing's happening and some of the mechanisms don't do anything until they've got balls in them. So they, yeah. they look with a puzzled look on their face and they're wondering what's happening.
0: Like um, it's Barry's yeah, one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Often
1: you often you, you get everyone names and shames everyone else. Of course, you know, people like me who've been building for a few years and have a little bit of a reputation, I'll come along with my latest and greatest one, and when it fails, I'll get laughed at. <laughs> and I did that a couple of years ago. I've have built grandiose modules which are half a metre high and massive mechanisms in them, and they last about half an hour. <laughs> so <laughs> it's fairly embarrassing, but you get over it.
0: Yeah, just replace it. Yeah. Um- So you had a really unique build last year. Um, Can you tell me a bit about it?
1: I created a – it had been on my to-do list for us to create a human-powered GBC, one that is operated by the kids. Yeah. And it was called the mine, and it had two functions on it. One was a big detonator, like a big um, blow-up dynamite detonator that the kids pressed down, and a bit of the mountain exploded and dropped the balls down. And the other part was using the old nine-volt motors, which if you connect two motors together, one of them becomes a generator. So as you turn the motor, it feeds electricity back oh. out the motor to the other motor. So I had two motors connected up back to back, and the kids could sit there with a hand crank and operate it. They were physically providing the electricity to make it run. And it worked really well. I was very, very happy with it. It's my biggest complicated creation ever, and, and to do a human-powered one that survived, I don't know, 10,000 kids go through it over two or three days was <laughs> pretty happy. Yeah, and again, apart from a one-wire, it was all pure Lego. There was no Mindstorms controlling it. There was no glue. Everything else held up really, yep. really well. But while I was building it, and I did actually document all of this for once, is that I built prototypes of what I was building, and then when I went to improve it, I left that prototype built next to it and i built a second one yeah and then as i need to improve that that got shoved over a bit and i built a third part of the mechanism so that was a, a key learning point was to uh often when you if you build something and you want to build something better you it's so tempting i've done it in the past is i start pulling it all apart to build an improvement and then i can't quite get it right again because i've just pulled this <laughs> apart and i have no idea what how that leverage that linkage that set of gears work perfectly unless you take photos but by having the old one and the new one next to each other yeah means you can compare between the two and then uh, and ultimately have a better creation and i did that over and over and over during this build and and got a better and better build out of it so yeah
0: oh sweet yeah i've i've done the same as in i've learned that yeah your last one you put next to you and you're like, okay, like that one piece. So I can be like, that's how I built it. And then you can destroy it. Is there a particular mechanism that drives you crazy that you're like, no, I'm not doing that. Like There's, um,
1: there's a few, I, I, I do get, uh, sometimes you need a, in GBC, often you you want to, we need height. That's the, the key part of our theme because once you've got a bit of height, gravity can do a bit of the work for you yep. and your balls can go plink, plink, plink down, an interesting mechanism, all that. So gaining height in a small amount of space is a key part of doing GBC. I mean, the most simple GBC only has to lift the ball one or two bricks to roll down to the next module and that's it. But if you want anything interesting, you need a bit of height especially if you do more decorative uh, builds and you want to incorporate normal Lego into it and you want something really cool looking you know, slides or anything like that, you do need height because ultimately you still have to end up at your 10 bricks high. Yeah. So that's your final destination is 10 bricks high. So you've got to be a lot higher than that. So there's you know, conveyor belts and things like that. One is called a ball pump and a ball pump is a mechanism that sucks in one ball at the bottom and then feeds it up a vertical stack and then kind of holds it there and then pushes another ball up from underneath and that you get direct vertical climbing, perfectly straight upright. Uh, and then once your stack is reached full fullness, um, the top ball falls out. Yeah. Um, again, we call it a ball pump, but if your ball pump is 20 balls high, then you're going to always need 20 balls high, 20 balls in that mechanism at all times. Yeah. One in the bottom, one out the top. The, the mechanism will never drain until you turn the whole thing off and tip it upside down. Uh, so they can be quite interesting to build because um, they're a mechanism that can jam and sometimes jam spectacularly and fail. Um, and it really is sometimes not so much the one mechanism. It'll just be a point in your mechanisms. I've had these very simple modules where an arm just goes around and sweeps the ball up a hill But if the ball was in the wrong spot when the arm came round, it would jam between it. And that would only happen once in a blue moon when the ball just happened to be bouncing back because they're Lego plastic balls, they bounce off everything. Um, And then the mechanism would jam and it would jam and the motor would apply more and more pressure and then eventually something would give and it would fling that ball up and it would hit the roof (laughs) and you'd be Hearing this little plastic ball ricochet off the room and you oh, where's it going? Everyone to be ducking. <laughs> um, it shows like brick and we try our hardest not to do that because, one, is huge crowds there, two, they're polished wood floorboards. If you've got a little plastic ball rolling around on that floor and, a, dare I say, stereotypical little old lady trips on it, she's going to be falling pretty hardly on oh, the floor. Yeah. So we have to be really, really careful. Um, as part of our layout, we often put... Um, terry toweling down on the uh, tables because that really absorbs any of the balls. If anything spills off a module, it just kind of falls and sits there. Yeah. Um, Hard surface table, even with our thin tablecloths on there, the balls just bounce too much. So there's little things. You build little fences around them and things like that, but, you know, you always get balls escape. Um, At a big show like Brickvention, we might put 600 balls in, shared between two of us. And at the end of it, we've probably lost about 10 to 15 balls or more. And at $2 a pop or so, regular retail, you lose about yep. $30 every time you go and do a big show like that. So it's, <sighs> it's hard. Um, you often kill motors too. That's one part of the, um, this niche hobby you don't realise, but it's all well and good running a Lego motor at home. But when you run a Lego plastic motor, which ultimately has plastic gears inside it, and you run it for three days non-stop, eight hours a day, you eventually kill a few motors; um, they're just not designed to cope up with that. I may or may not have called up Lego in the past and say, "This motor isn't working anymore,"
0: <laughs>
1: and got a replacement. But I don't do it too many times. In the end, I just suck it up and say, "Well, it's it's part of part and parcel of doing these things
0: of your, of your hobby." Yeah, I was going to it's say, just, just go through a lot of motors and gears wouldn't you? Yeah,
1: well, I just picked up a um, the Power Functions Tracked Racer on uh, uh, Facebook Buy, Swap and Sell the other week um, fairly cheaply simply because it comes with two Power Functions M modes. I don't care about the rest of the set. I'll probably sell the battery box and the infrared controller because I just don't, I've got enough of them I don't use them Yeah, but the motors are the one thing and, you know, they're, going to be in short supply that you know they introduced them in 2007 and now 2020 they are gone
0: yeah uh,
1: whatever lego have in stock on their shops uh that's it once they're gone the stunt racer that came out last year or 2019 was the very last power functions ah. uh, set. so that had two l motors in it and it's you know i've been saying for the past year and a half to people get that set because it gets you two motors a battery box bunch of cogs and gears and tracks and things like that it's a really good starter set um yeah. and it, at least get you into a couple of motors that you can use for gbc so.
0: Yeah, that that's the um the one you picked up off buy swap sell that's the one that i yeah. got that got me in Like i got that so i could do like a robot factory
1: where yeah yeah you know a lot of people yeah. have done those ones and they're quite fun to do you get your conveyor belts you can stick things on the conveyor belts you can have a lot of fun doing that and and those doing those things gets you almost halfway to doing a gbc you, yeah. you get the concepts of how to build things how to make them work reliably and strong and um and yeah you go from
0: there um last question um what's your favorite Lego memory or, like, strongest Lego memory or Technic mem- You know what I mean, like Technic you know. <laughs> Um,
1: Yeah, it's, it's, um, hmm.
0: it's a hard one.
1: There's a, there's a few different ones over the years, but just I, I suppose getting those very early sets, you know, the birthday, my birthday is right near Christmas. So for me, birthday presents and Christmas <laughs> presents kind of in my memory merged to one, and, and often I did get combined presents, which I didn't mind. Often they were bigger. Um, is getting some of those early Technic sets in, and getting that very first motor. Actually, one one I do remember. I used to. I was. I was the kid who used to hang out in the school library at lunchtime because I didn't want to play football or cricket or anything like that. And the librarian was nice and she'd let me hang inside. Um, and I remember a year or two after she actually let us, a whole bunch of us, grade five or sixes, bring all our Lego to school, and we built our own Lego exhibit in the library. It was the worst decision ever because we kind of ended up mashing all our Lego together. <laughs> so there was parts I never saw again and could never build certain sets again, but I think I scored a couple of bicycles that I never had. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but anyway, she uh, she had access to the Lego spare parts through the early – this was this was, would have been 87, 86 – 80, yeah, 86 or 87. And um, I remember in the Lego parts catalogue at school, and they must have only just come out, it was the worm gear, that very mm. first gear that was like a little worm spiral. And I didn't have any. They didn't come in any of my Technic sets at the time. They must have been brand new or they were only in the super expensive uh, sets. So I asked her, could I order some through the school and I'll pay her back? And she did, and I think i got a little packet of five of them arrive. And that was just, it was such a little thing. This one part, which I've got hundreds of now, was such a cool thing as a kid to get this one unique part and for the opportunities that that would let me do. It, it, it seems like such a simple little thing now, but as a... Uh, you know eleven year old kid to have this one cool new part that i can I can do things with and I you know immediately go home and pull apart everything I was doing and build something just with these worm gears yeah and it was such a cool thing to do and and I still do to this day i'll I'll, I'll go through bricklink and I, I love finding what's this uh, i've got've got a drawer up here called oddball parts what's this oddball part that I can buy that will let me do something interesting and you know of course. The selection of parts is massive these days, but um, yeah. uh, it's there's still the little spark out there when you do see this one cool part and you think, "What could I do with that?" Everyone in the Lego world does this, no matter what you're building. And and you know, I always still love that that little catchphrase, NPU, nice parts usage. Yep. that have a part and to use it in such a unique or crazy way. And we we do that all the time with GBCs. People have made GBCs with the crown from I think it first appeared in Queen, whatever, Wanabis, whatever, from Lego Movie 2. She had a gold crown. People have used that to pick up GBC balls and move them around. Um, uh, And it was just just to see, you know, cool parts like that come out and say, I could could do something with that. Um, Another side sort of interest is that I've gone through over the last few years And I'm attempting to collect every single Technic gear and other major Technic part in most colours. So believe it or not, the Technic gears in the Bionicle era came out with all sorts of colours, and it's really nice seeing the wide rainbow colours. Okay. So I've now expanded upon that. And as nerdy and geeky and and (laughs) (laughs) crazy as it sounds, I've got nearly every axle in every length and every colour and every gear in every colour And nearly all the technique – I think I've got all the technique pins and I'm trying to decide where to draw the line. There are a lot of people who do the monochrome figure minifigs that people collect and they collect all the parrots in every colour and every – you've got to decide where to stop with this because it's this huge rabbit hole of all. If – look at this. I've got 98% of this part in all the colours. How about I just go out and place another few brickly quarters
0: and I'll get them all – you have to complete it. It's,
1: it's it's pretty cool to see them all there, and it yep. really blows your mind of how many unique parts that they've made over the years, and and to have them all. So
0: <laughs> like that, it's Lego going. Hmm, let's get everyone's OCD monochrome coloured figures. Yep,
1: it is. It and you can only go so far. There's, I, as a, There's a couple of axles I don't have. I think a seven L in reddish brown, but they only came in a Ferrari set or something like that. And I'm not spending five hundred dollars on a single set and. And then you get the prototype colours. I'm not going down that way because the prototype parts, which were never for sale, and you you see them sitting on BrickLink for a transparent Technic pin for $20. Ooh, that's interesting, isn't it? No, I'm not going to buy that. (laughs) A single Technic pin in transparent. They never made them in that colour. Someone has got one for sale, and it's about $20. So (laughs) things like that might do draw the line because you... (laughs) Get into a lot of trouble,
0: yeah. That's from it. all parties, <laughs> but it's, it's it completes the set.
1: No, oh, No, I no, stop. no, no. I, I try. Yes, yes. It's it's too easy to do that. I've seen a lot of people get sucked down, and then you think, "Oh, well, you're sitting here at the
0: end of the day, it's just a oh, pile of plastic." <laughs> yeah, there's a yeah, it's a massive rabbit hole. Um, I try to stop myself. Uh, come to that time, uh, where can people find you? Like, as in, do, do you social media or anything like that? Or yeah, yeah.
1: It- I, I, I hang around on the Oslug Facebook group and the Lego Technic one and the Australian GBC team. There is a Facebook group where you know, we started off just the local team of us people exhibiting, but it's kind of expanded now. So anyone who's got an interest in GBC is welcome to join and, and see a bit of the chatter. There's a worldwide GBC um, Facebook group that's very, very active too. Yeah, Good place to go. Um I have a YouTube channel, Um, just search for Rowan Beckett on YouTube and one of my videos that come up and you'll see my channel of various, mostly GBC. I do post some of my uh, creations um, as I'm prototyping them, Um, but a lot of videos from shows there that I've done, roughly the last five or six Brickventions are all up there and you can see as we've got bigger and bigger over the years. <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I don't really do Twitter or Instagram or anything like that.
0: Um, There's a rabbit don't
1: really hole. Have a fle- but my, my things are mostly moving things. So YouTube has made the most sense yeah. to post videos on um, and yeah, and occasionally um, on some of the Facebook groups and things like that. So,
0: yeah. Sweet. That's about it. Oh, rocking. Um, it's been a pleasure chatting with you tonight or today. Thank you. <laughs> I'll see you online. See you there. Well, that's it for this week's episode of For the Love of Brick. If you like the podcast, feel free to check out some of the other episodes. If you know anyone in the Lego world who's doing some cool things, or you're like, wow, I'd like to hear from them, hit me up on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or email me at fortheloveofbrick at gmail.com. If you'd like to check out any of my guests' work, like Rowan, head on over to my show notes and follow the links.